0: There's a quote I came across um, a few months ago that I actually wrote on a sticky note and stuck on my desk because I wanted to have it in front of me and not forget it. Um, The quote is simply, we are far too easily pleased. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis's great essay, The Weight of Glory. If you've not read it, it's very readable in one sitting. Uh, It's one of the great essays in especially modern Christianity, of like what it means to be a Christian, what, what it means to see the world like a Christian. And he talks about the fact that um, the, the we are far too easily pleased line comes from a part where he's saying that Christians don't think that desires are a bad thing, like when we talk about the sins of gluttony and lust and greed and things like that. It's not that we want too much, he says, it's that we settle for too little, It's part of this greater quote, which he says, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is being offered to us. The problem with sin is that we don't see all that God is trying to give us, and so we funnel our desires and our energies towards things that won't satisfy us. Meanwhile, God is offering us this infinite joy, this grace, that we refuse because we settle for something less. That, in a way, is the whole Christian story. The story of creation was that God made everything to please us. He made this whole universe to be our home, man and woman, or to be the crown of his creation that stood firmly in the world, but in a certain way with one foot in the world beyond this world. So we're the only ones who can look at everything that it is and all the other creatures, our fellow creatures, and see how beautiful they are. Or to see the humor in things, things that are funny, contradictions coming. We have this kind of God's eye view, but we still stand below the creator, giving him glory for everything. But what went wrong was that we tried to make ourselves God. We didn't want to be in this little middle ground. We either grasped at divinity and tried to make our own world according to our own designs and plans, or we debased ourselves and became like animals and just... Plunged ourselves into the normal instinctual things that, that animals are worried about and lost this uniquely human calling to be a bridge between heaven and earth. So, the this, this sin then is, is this pride, this prison of our own ego, our own self will. And the Christian story is that Christ has come to set us free of that prison, of that ego. I so was watching a movie last night, one of my favorite movies of all time, called The Thin Red Line. It's a World War II movie by Terrence Malick, and uh, it's got tons of famous actors in it. It's kind of a, one of the littlest known great movies. And uh, there's one character in there who's this ambitious older colonel, and he's just a miserable human being. And he knows it. You know, he's, he's been aging and, and trying to become a general, uh, but he's kind of stuck at this, this level because he's had no opportunity to, to show himself, to prove himself. He's been, he was in that little middle ground between World War I and World War II, where there wasn't enough battle or, or combat experience that he could get to advance. And now he was going to seize this opportunity. It's World War II, and he's in charge of this uh, battalion, and he's going to prove that he's worthy so he can advance his career. And there's lots of younger uh, generals and, and uh, lieutenant colonels and things like that that are, are more kind of realistic about the evil of what's going on and the war and and trying to uh, preserve life as much as they possibly could. And while they are trying to attain the the goal of getting these islands and winning the war against Japan, whereas he's just like blinded by ambition and he's telling his, uh, his subordinates to just throw as many men at this hill as you possibly can, even though you're getting shredded to bits and he's totally lost any consideration of the men under his charge and at one point, he's talking to one of the younger commanding officers. And he says, you don't get it. You're young. You already got your war. This is my first war. It's been 15 years I've waited for this. And it, it's so ugly, this, this scene, this line. This is my first war. Like, finally, to see the war as something good, because now I can prove myself and advance my career never mind the fact that all of these young men's lives are being wasted and just poured out like water on the sand. He can't think of it because he's imprisoned in his own ego. Well, that's easy to see in other people, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's so gross. You know, the, the way that we human beings can kind of pervert the world to fit our own ends and sacrifice so much beauty and goodness. But I know I've seen it in myself. For instance, one thing I've noticed is that sometimes at funerals, after the funeral is over, I'll I'll have this little piece of me that's like waiting for somebody to come up to me and say, Father, you did such a nice job. (laughs) Great homily. And here, this is someone's funeral. Someone's mother or father has passed away, but there's still some piece of me that wants to make it about me, (laughs) right? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all have that prison, that ego, that God wants to set us free. And how do we get free of the ego? Well, Christ says, self-denial, deny yourself, take up your cross. In this gospel today, Jesus is seeing people are totally attached to honor, to being the most important person. That part of us that knows that I want to be special, and the only way for me to be special is for you all not to be special. So I need the highest place, I need all the attention. And Jesus says, just deny yourself that, take the lowest place. And notice he says, don't take the lowest place and just kind of like, Think yourself really bad and not worthy. He's like, no, it's actually good for you because the humble are exalted. Take that desire you have to be special and actually be special by being the most humble, by being the one who doesn't get wrapped up in these ego games. You see, it's for joy. One of the great heresies, I think, in Christianity is thinking that love and unselfishness are the same thing one is positive and one is negative. We think, oh, it's good to be unselfish. That means to be the person who doesn't take anything for themselves, who denies themselves things. But Jesus is saying the whole point of self-denial, of unselfishness, is to provide for the needs of others, to get lost in the beauty of the one you love. That's what heaven is, is to forget yourself. Another great line of C.S. Lewis I love, true humility is not thinking thinking less of yourself, meaning I'm bad, I'm not good, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Because the ego is the enemy of our joy. It keeps us from entering into the fullness of what's around us. I was riding my bike on the lake the other day. This is no judgment, but I see this a lot. There was this woman who was standing on the rocks in front of the lake, like with her arms out, like she was just enjoying the beauty of the day. And then Next to her was her husband taking an Instagram photo of her, like, with with her phone. And then immediately after the photo's taken, she's looking at the phone, and is this a good one to post? Instead of actually enjoying the day and how beautiful the thing is around us, we're totally preoccupied with how beautiful do I look? How am I presenting myself to the world? It's a joy suck. It takes away the moment, getting lost in that moment. The second reading today kind of seems a little out of place with these readings on humility. It's from the book of Hebrews, uh, the letter to the Hebrews. And the letter to the Hebrews is all about Christ's priesthood, what he's instituted with his self-sacrifice, his resurrection from the dead, the, the completion of the whole Paschal mystery, of the, the Passover mystery that the Jews had celebrated year in and year out, sacrificing this lamb, celebrating the Jews' liberation from Egypt, slavery, etc. Their longing for the promised land— That Christ has fulfilled it all. He has debased himself, humiliated himself, so that we could be exalted. And now, he says, we don't have to be afraid to approach the altar. It's not like in the old days when God came down in this column of fire or an earthquake and terrified anybody who looked at his face. Like, if I see the face of God, I'm going to die. That's all over the Old Testament. No, God has come to us in a humble form to exalt us, out of our misery, out of our prison. And what he says is, You have approached Mount Zion, and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, countless angels in festal gathering, the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the just made perfect, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. The author of the letter to the Hebrews is talking about is the mass. The body, the blood, the sacrifice, the communion. What's happening right here and right now, God is offering us infinite joy, something greater than we could possibly imagine. If we can't see it, that's our problem, not God's. We need to beg him to set us free. Let the scales fall from our eyes. St. Paul says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it so much as dawned on the imagination of human beings what God has in store for those who love him. So try to imagine what you want the most in this world. Like, no limits, pie in the sky, what would be the best possible thing you could get? It's not even close to what God wants to give you. We are far too easily pleased. Don't settle for less, but receive from God what you really want.